Three, two, one, and we're live. Oh, welcome to episode three of the Normal Guy Podcast. I first want to give a shout out to my boy Vinny Vibe on that intro music. He's someone that's been growing over the years. He's allowed me to meet people like Shaquille O'Neal, DJ Pauly D, and many more just by heading to Foxwoods. He has a bunch of songs on Apple right now. You can find him on Instagram at Vinny Vibe, and he's gotten to get all over the place. Um, I just wanted to start off by giving him that little shout out. Keith, how you doing today? Doing good, Bob. Doing good. How are you? How are good, you? Good, good. So it's episode three finally. I know. Long time coming. I know. How's everything been? You know, there's a lot of crazy stuff over the last week or so. We're not going to talk cool. on the stuff that we've been hearing every day, and people have heard enough of that. That's for sure. It's sad, but I think it's time to start bringing on some new topics. You know. Oh yeah, focus on the memory and and, and move forward. Yeah, we got a lot to uh, talk about today, so. I figure on my part, keep it pretty light up front and uh, dive into the good stuff. Yeah, today we are uh, first having our first guest on the podcast. I've had two episodes before. Woo-hoo. People have been talking about they want a guest, they want this, they want that. So it's finally time to bring them our first guest. So I'd like to introduce for the first time on Normal Guy Podcast, Mr. Patrick Kimball. Two to millions. <laughs> and millions of Normal Guy Podcast listeners. Oh, who am I kidding? I'm on a podcast where you got three people who probably listen to this. You two listen to it probably ten times a week. And then, you know, Bob's mom and dad while they're cleaning up the lake house after Bob had a weekend ripper up there. So, uh, hello, Mr. and Mrs. Wonski, I guess. But um, thanks for having me. Hello, Patrick. Hello, Patrick. How are you today? Doing good. Doing good. You know, it's, uh, you know... The negotiations to get me on were uh, long, but I'm glad we were able to figure things out. So. It's true, yeah. It's been a hard-fought battle. I think we started off at someone wanted around $50 an episode, and we worked it down. So I'm glad we could come to a little contractual agreement to get you on as our first guest. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I read some of your uh, podcast reviews, and, you know, I saw one where the guy said, this podcast is atrocious. I'd rather <laughs> listen to a podcast of uh, paint drying and, you know, after that first episode, I I I I, uh, I agreed with him. Like, the thing was atrocious, but podcast two was a little bit better. I mean, here's the thing, though, Bob. <laughs> People gotta know who you are. You know, you you are behind the veil right now. People need to know the story of Bobby Bottles, Bob Wonski, so they could <laughs> picture who this voice is on the podcast this is true this is true who this six six guy is who when he walks into a room or a bar people are like who the fuck is this kid (laughs) oh this is true patrick and that's why we felt when keith and i talked about our first guest we thought it'd be a perfect one of been would be you i've dealt with you at work i've dealt with you on vacation i've dealt with you at home i've dealt with you everywhere so we figured the best person to describe me would be you so that's why we wanted you on as our first guest perfect here i am (laughs) <laughs> not a big deal, Becca, not a big deal. <laughs> so I first met Patrick back in the day, starting that little insurance company. I walked in the door, and then for the next two and a half years, we sat across from each other, well, pretty much every day, right? Yeah, well, he- here's the thing. So, you know, I graduate college at the young age of 23, 24, and, um, you know, Living, growing up in a town outside of Boston, about you know half an hour. You're 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 a moron if you don't want to work in the city after college. You know, if you're one of those kids who just gonna stay in your same town, 
you know, and go to Applebee's, you know, down the road or the 99 and hope to pick on a wait, pick up a waitress. Hey, you know, don't shit on the 99. Don't shit on the you're, 99. You're, you're a, never shit on the 99, but you're a moron. So, you know, I, I, I had big dreams of working downtown. So, you know, I, I started working uh, downtown Boston, you know, and, you know, it's kind of like dating a girl for the first time where, you know, you just want to, <laughs> you know, get after it. You don't care that you have to take the hour long train ride into the city. You know, you want you want to go to all the bars, Coogan's, um, classics. You know, on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, night, like, really just rip it up. So mm-hmm. I did that for a little bit. Moved in the city, so I was, you know, that kind of wears off after a while. Just kind of like dating a girl you don't really like. <laughs> the, the, the big, the beginning's exciting, and then it just kind of wears down a little bit. So turn turn the time when it's starting to wear down. You know, the kids I was working with. I mean, this was insurance and bosses. It's not like you're, you know trading commodities or anything you know these kids were like real heroes they'd wear you know <laughs> their 500 dollars suits to work yep, every day, yep. sitting, sitting in their cubicle so you know the 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 fun of working in the city was starting to wear down and then uh then one day <laughs> there's this little thing called um essential employees and basically what an essential employee is like when there's like a snowstorm or the office is closed all the average Joes, they, they stay home, but the essential employees have to, you know, go into the office. So there's a new essential employee coming uh, to work. And um, one morning I, I see this six, six kid walking down, <laughs> pushing the coffee cart, yeah. um, dropping the coffee off in the morning. Like, who the <laughs> hell is this kid? You know, share his shit. Noontime pops in. He comes. He drops off my mail and he introduces myself himself as Bobby Ronsky. <laughs> I'm like, what the hell is this? Who who did this company just hire? <laughs> um, so he was an essential employee, you know, dropping off the coffee, dropping off the mail, making sure we had our coffee in our mail, and then slowly but maturely, you know, I got to know Bobby a little bit, and then you know we struck up a pretty good relationship uh, for 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 two years, uh, working side by side. Yes, we did. Yes, we did. We had some great times in those little cubicles back there, you know? Yeah, yeah. Now, now Patrick, guys, so I met you, immediately fell in love with the kid, you know, my favorite friend at work. I want to talk a little about how we do. There's a local golf trip we always go to down in Myrtle Beach. I want to talk a little bit about my tryout, I guess you can say. Tell everyone about this. Yeah, so, you know, Myrtle Beach, there's probably 100 golf courses within, you know, a 50-mile radius. It's real cheap. So it's like a man's guy's trip dream. You go down, you stay at a nice, you know, condo, you play some golf at beautiful courses, see some gators, see some snakes, you know, then you go to Broadway, have some, you know, wet willies, you know, get after it, go to, go to the bars, go to the strip clubs, whatever you want to do. And you go do the next day. So me and my family, you know, my father, my uncle, my cousin, my brother, we've been doing that for, you know, six or seven years and you know it started out just with us but now you know we're trying to get new blood so now you know i think we've had 12 people go at one time and um you know my my father he's all fired up about it after a week after we we end the trip he's already asking about it so myrtle beach is awesome you're a disgusting human being if you vacation in myrtle beach and you don't play golf you know if you don't have your khaki pants and a polo you're a disgusting human being. Do not go to Myrtle Beach for anything else but golf trips, you know? Yeah. If you're not wearing golf attire for 24 yeah, you, hours of the day, you are a disgusting right. human being. Like, 
I would never go to that place unless I was on a guy's golf trip, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, exactly. So my father was like, you got, you got, uh, you got anyone else? You know, you got anyone else? I'm like, you know, I, I think I got someone. <laughs> so six, six, Bob. I mean, you, you could tell just by looking at him, the kid's not a golfer, <laughs> but you know, well, like, you know, we'll, we'll bring him down here. We'll see how he does. So leading up to that, that the, uh, Myrtle beach, you know, I'm like, Bob, you, you got, you got some clubs, you got some new outfits. He's like, yeah, I got some, I got some nice outfits. I'm going to be wearing. So, you know, I'm thinking he's got some, you know, Travis Matthew or some Callaway <laughs> polos, nice shorts. He comes to the first hole. So straight from the airport, we go to a little place called TPC national in South Carolina. Real nice course. Good course. Good course. He comes straight from the airport. So he hasn't met any of my thought. He hasn't met my father, my brother, my cousin. He hasn't met anyone. He shows up in a John Daly loudmouth <laughs> shorts and shirt that looked look like one of those uh, the the um, you know like when in the old newspapers you'd hold your face up in the newspaper and you'd see the three D image like just colors all over the place. <laughs> that was his outfit, and then. He uh he told me he bought a brand new like six hundred dollar driver, real nice, like an M two or something. You could hit bombs with it. He told me, <laughs> but he also brought he also brought a, another golf club, which he probably got from like the Stoneham driving range on Route One or wherever the hell. And he spray painted it red, <laughs> and on the on the club head he just initialed BB for Bobby Bottles. <laughs> yeah, so like holy fuck, <laughs> this kid, six six kid, wearing a. <laughs> Sunday newspaper 3D outfit as his golf attire using a spray-painted driving range club. So we go to the first hole. Everyone in the clubhouse is looking at this kid because, you know, he's 6'6 wearing his outfit, and they probably think he's going to hit an absolute bomb. So Bobby gets up. He tees his ball. He does his little shake. And then all of a sudden you hear, Boom. Huge contact. The loudest, like, sweet spot, unbelievable drive for about 200 yards. There's an absolute bomb. And everyone's like, holy shit. And then all of a sudden, it took a right-hand turn, <laughs> direct, direct right-hand turn. It probably went 300, 300 yards right into the swamp. Like, I've never seen a ball slice so hard in my life. <laughs> we're just like, oh, Bob, you, you got to hit another one? <laughs> No, I'll find it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, those are the good days, Patrick. That, that was that was the first that was the first the first introduction of Bobby Bottles on the Myrtle Beach Ball <laughs> showing up looking like a complete fool and on the first tee just absolutely launching a ball three hundred yards into the swamp and so he was gonna go find it. <laughs> that was a good time. But my favorite my favorite time, my golf experience with you, Patrick, was when we were given the opportunity to play Pinehurst. Pinehurst number two, we had to walk the course. Golf carts aren't allowed. And the yep. thing was, you need your own caddy. So I end up getting this big burly guy straight from the south. He's asking Patrick and his dad and I if we eat squirrel stew, asking us how squirrels taste and all this. Uh, but <laughs> he, he, he loved it when we hit the ball in the woods because that means that he could go in the woods looking for squirrels. That, you know, yeah, that looks like a good one. That's some good meat right there. Mm. He's talking to Patrick's father about eating squirrels. Patrick's dad's trying to walk as fast as he can to get away from him. But the the story, the point of the story I'm trying to get to was I paid for my own caddy, had my own caddy, and I was so bad that day that he refused to even help me look for my ball because I was 
from one side of the fairway to the other to the woods to the other, and he just gave up and started smoking cigarettes. And that's yeah. when I was like, I know I suck at golf. That was my moment. Hey, Pioneers is a tough course, Bob, you know? But, Patrick, at the end of the day, who did come out victorious over your dad and Fisher? I think one one player ran out to the park and wanted to drive home because he's so pissed he didn't want to give us any money. <laughs> yeah, because we should not have won that, but we did. Yeah, yeah, we left with some uh, – well, you left with some money in your pocket. I didn't because the other guy uh, took off. You know? so I'm, yeah. still looking, I'm still looking for those 15 bucks there. Yeah, big money, big money. But, yeah. no, Patrick, we for sure – we've had some good times. It's fun to have you on here because we always – all we do is, especially when the three of us are around, is always just some big-time laughs and some good stuff. And that's why when it came to figuring out someone to get on this show, I thought, Patrick, you were the perfect fit for it. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm just a, a normal guy, and, you know, I fit in well with the, the title of this program, Normal Guy Podcast. <laughs> it's true, it's um, true. You know, but I will find out who gave you that uh, review. Saying <laughs> yeah. It's atrocious, and... You know, I'll lift his shirt over his head and feed him some uppercuts for you. I appreciate that, Patrick. I appreciate that. So how? So you lived in what? Little fucking East Boston for a while? Yeah, yeah, Eastie. You know, I I went to uh, Kelly's Pub. Palace. Kelly's Pub told told one of the guys there that I was a local and almost got you know shanked. Um, <laughs> but you know, no 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 disrespect, but absolutely love East Boston. You know, I'm pretty pissed that I don't live there anymore. But you know, I'm in uh, Raleigh, North Carolina now. Yeah, it misses you. It misses you, boss. It misses you for sure. Yeah. Yeah, so how long have you and Keith been down in Raleigh? Well, Keith, Keith uh, you know, Keith's got a little love story being uh, written about him by uh, Disney of how, <laughs> you know, a kid, you know, dropped everything he was doing, moved out of his, uh, his, his, his parents' house, took his chances on love in North Carolina, and you know, ten years later, he's uh, got a baby on the way, so it's a beautiful love story. Wow, it sounds it. It sounds it. Both of you two are all northern boys stuck down south now for a while. Yeah, but I it, mean, people always ask, you know, what do you like about the north? What do you like about the south? I mean, here's the thing: the first time I moved down south, first summer, I didn't know what I was getting myself into. It was hotter than a motherfucker. <laughs> Like at seven o'clock in the morning, you open the door and it just hits you in the face, and you're dripping sweat right away. You know, mm-hmm. you know, you know those days in the summer in Boston when you're walking to work and like in your in your nice button down and your oh. your, your khakis, nothing better. You're just dripping sweat. Oh yeah, I hate that. That's how it is every day of the year from March till November. Yeah, I could never do it. I don't know how you guys do it because yeah, I usually I come down there for what a week or something at most. And every single day I go through like three pairs of clothes because it's just so hot down there. Right. But living in Boston, like people don't realize when you live in the north your whole life, how shitty of a hand you have it with the weather. I mean, you know, everyone wants to talk about the weather. But, you know, I remember living in East Boston during the snowstorms. It was an absolute battle for parking spots. You, you know, those like uh, those people like in Croatia or in the Middle East where you know, if you kill your brother, then it's like their vendetta that they have to then kill someone in your family just goes <laughs> yeah. on forever and ever, ever. That's what it's like for parking spots. Like, I remember I would, you know, about like in 2016, we had like 10 feet of snow that one year. Mm-hmm. You would shovel your, 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 your spot out, you know, put your little cone or your chair or whatever. You know, I don't even remember what I put, but, you know, it's whatever you have in the house, you just throw out there. And if you left, like, I would go to my men's league hockey game at, like, 9 o'clock at night. 
the whole car ride back home, I'm just panicking that someone took my spot. Because I know if someone took my spot, I A, had to retaliate and do something to their car. <laughs> B, I was screwed because I wouldn't be able to find another spot, you know? Yeah, definitely. Here, here's the thing. I couldn't dig myself another uh, spot because they're all taken. And the snow is all, you know, it's hard as, as hard as a rock now. It's all ice. So you're not, you're not finding a new spot. So the only other place you're going to park is if you take someone else's spot. So if you take someone else's spot, that means they're, that means they got that added for you and on and on and on it goes, you know? No, um, it's an, it's a battle. It's for sure a battle. Yeah. Like, like I've seen cars with buckets of paint thrown on them. Oh my God. It's nuts. And you know, that's, thank God I don't have to deal with that in the South, but you know, those winners in Boston with the, just the parking, I mean, it, it's uh it really is some stressful stuff. Um, but you know, other other than you know, everyone wants to talk about the weather. It's like you know, you, you go in the elevator, going to work. Oh, how's the weather? So you know, when you discuss the north and the south, that's the obvious thing to talk about. It's the difference in the weather. But I mean, you know, the people are the same. You know, you can have the same kind of drama that you have. You know, wherever you go, you know, the same type of clickness. Mm-hmm. You know, I will I will say, you know, people up north, if they like, if they don't like you, you're gonna know they don't like you. You know? Yeah, definitely. They're gonna they're gonna tell, tell you go fuck yourself. <laughs> people down, people down here, which I think it's a little worse, is they'll pretend to like you, you know, but behind your back, they're, you know, they'll be the sweetest people in the world, but they're usually the biggest shit talkers behind your back. So, you know, this, the southern people, they're they're really laid back, you know, really easy to talk to. They're usually like they're a lot funnier people than the north because you know they're great storytellers in the south, but they there is definitely kind of like a a mean girls persona, even with the guys were. They'll act like they like you, but you know they. Uh, there'll be some shit talking for sure. Yeah, dude. The people up here, the people up north. I take the train every day, as we talked about in previous episodes. And the people up there, they don't give a shit. They give you that dirty look, and they'll tell you to go fuck yourself while you're walking out of the train. It's just, oh yeah. People, are, I'll never forget the first time down south to go see you guys, Myrtle Beach. Anywhere you go, like good morning, good morning, how are you, how are you? And as soon as I talked, like oh my god, you're from Boston. And next yeah. thing you know, I'm like, I'm having a conversation with some stranger. I would never even think about doing that, walking it, to work up here, you know? It catches you off guard because, you know, yeah. you'll be walking down the sidewalk with my head down. All of a sudden, I'll have a guy be like, hey, how are you doing? I'll be like, what the fuck? Who, like, do I know you? Like, who are you, you know? And then slowly, but maturely, you kind of grow into being like that also. So, but I mean, it's a complete, it is definitely some getting used to, you know, because up north, it's just keep your head down. Look at the floor in front of you and get to where you're going. You know. Yeah. No. I up here, people have no, they have no problem at all telling some little ninety year old lady to go fuck herself when they cut her off walking onto the train. But <laughs> that's that's the whole difference, and that's why I can see how if you move down there, you just fall in love with that place. Keith, how do you feel about Patrick's uh, persona of the South? Do you agree? You've been down there for about ten years now. Oh yeah, I'm a I'm a regular down here now. Yeah, it's definitely the truth. Uh... I think you just get kind of caught up with uh, all the the sentiments you were both saying, right? You're, you know, you got people that are super nice. You got people that um, will chat with you about anything, but I don't know. I think that people up in Boston are, yeah, it'll be dickheads to you, but they're also pretty real. So you don't have to worry about, you know, them fucking, I don't know. I, I, I like the, I like the New Englanders. Yeah, no, I do too. It's just, We've had a pretty lenient winter. I think we've only had about a combined 13 inches of snow. So people haven't been too miserable. 
with Patrick was talking about the parking and stuff, the snow hasn't been a huge issue. So you're not dealing with people in the elevator bitching at each other about how they, like you were saying, they like, couldn't find a spot. So it's only, I think, what, do you, what is it, that Puxatoni Phil, that Groundhog looks for his shadow this weekend, I think, or something. So oh, is know. it already? I think so. That's what I'm saying. There's only like, we'll find uh, out if there's six weeks of uh, winter or not. Be ready to be depressed there, Bob. I know. It's cold. It was cold today. The last few days, it's been pretty cold. I'm actually uh, this weekend heading up to Lake Winnipesaukee for a pond hockey tournament. It's supposed to be around mid-30s where we just stand around on the ice in Meredith Bay and drink some beers by watching some guys play a little pond hockey. But, Bob, like, you don't play hockey. Tell me, like, kind of what you do, you know, up there. Do you just kind of walk around? Are you you watching, like, specific the games or, or what? Well, yeah, shout out to uh, Labatt Blue. They sponsor – there's actually – there's two pond hockey tournaments this year. There's one by LeBlanc Blue, which is this weekend, and then the 21st Barstool is actually hosting their first annual one up there. So you go there. There's a bunch of bob houses, there's a bunch of vendors, and they're all sitting on the ice. There's fires on the ice with these huge circles of water around the fires. It's crazy because again, you're on the ice and you walk around. Fires and... on the ice with water. How does that work? Yeah, it's just they make these little fire pits. And around the fire pit, there's probably like three foot puddles. Because by now, the ice is probably about 15 inches thick. So wow. people drive their cars, four-wheelers, snowmobiles. And you walk around, there's bear tents everywhere. And it's, it's actually a really fun town. There's probably two There's two little um, concert areas with live bands. Harley Davidson so, has a little shop there. It's awesome. It's a great time. What would you say the ratio of guys to girls is on something like that? That's probably a good like 20 to 1 ratio. Of guys versus girls. So oh. That's what I'm wondering. For this barstool, barstool pond hockey thing, is it just going to be a bunch of dudes out there kind of getting away from their girls, or, or are there going to be some hungry girls out there looking for some uh, pond hockey players? Well, after Barstool's little acquisition they just made, I don't even know if they need the money anymore to be doing this. So we'll see if they even still have it after that $450 million deal they just made. Uh, but no, it's... Are you want to go home? <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's, actually, it's honestly, I don't know. You would love it, especially being a big hockey guy. Big D1 athlete yourself, Patrick. I think you would be very excited to be up there. Maybe you should fly up for it. Yeah, I play some pond hockey, you know, get a high stick in my mouth, lose five teeth, you know, in the <laughs> middle of New Hampshire. That sounds awesome. Not allowed to lift the puck, Patrick. You can't lift the puck. I'm not worried about the puck, Bob. I'm worried about, uh, you know, Ricky from uh, from Swam Scott, uh, you know, getting his old coho <laughs> wood stick up in my mouth. <laughs> I can see that. I can see that. But no, it's for sure a good time, and there's a ton of cool little bars around the, around Meredith as well that they all open up little like shops and stuff. So it's just a fun little thing to do on the weekend in the winter up there if you're not going to go oh, skiing. Bob, you got to be handing out some normal guy, you know, shirts, t-shirts. I have stickers, some. I got some, some stickers on the way. You got I some ordered stickers? some. Yeah, I got some stickers on the way. I'm gonna I'll mail some up to Keith so you can spread the word around Raleigh. Hey, you want me to? I'll I'll go to the local mall and just start splattering those things on the back of uh, cars on the, at the mall. <laughs> Thank you, Patrick. I appreciate that. You know, it's called guerrilla marketing. It's true. If the only way to figure this stuff out is by getting your name out there, I believe that. So I want to dig into a little bit. So, like I've known, I know Keith through Patrick over the years. We've all been friends. So how did you? So have you? Did you and Keith grow up together? How? What's how that going? Tell me more about that. Keith, you could tell the story. <laughs> just one story. Just one story where it all started. <laughs> Friendfinder.com. <laughs> <sighs> Keith may have uh, left the podcast. I don't even know. 
Yeah, Keith, you there? All right, guys. Sorry about that. Had a little technical difficulties. I want to get back into how Patrick and Keith met. Can we talk about that right now? Yeah, sounds like a little cuckold situation. I think you guys put me in a locker after a little bang fest there with each other. Uh, you know, walk into some technical difficulties. But yeah, I'll tell a little little jig and a little story about how me and Patrick first met. It was at a, a nice little romantic bar called Pepperoncini's in downtown Framingham. Rest in peace. Um, you know, I was walking in, meeting some people there, and I saw this guy sitting on the curb. Uh, I think they're called panhandlers up there, but... Yeah, he was. He looked like he was. He was lonely. So I said, "Hey, buddy, what's going on? You need a beer?" And uh, this Canadian accent came out of him. Went, oh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, do you have the bat? The blue? So I was like, yeah, yeah. Come on, I'll grab you a beer. We got to talking. Found out he's a he's a pretty good kid. And uh, I don't know if anyone's ever seen the movie She's All That, but you know, took him back home, cleaned him up a little bit, and the rest <laughs> is history. Now he's a you know D one athlete. Uh, in the Carolina Hurricanes organization right now, so it's uh, it's pretty wild to see you know how far he's come. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the Carolina <laughs> stumped him, Keith. You stumped him. I That's what say, to say. You, you, you could edit this part out. <laughs> no, this is perfect. I want to hear this. Oh yeah, so Patrick, speaking with the Carolina Hurricanes, you're a hockey coach, aren't you? Yeah, the Junior Hurricanes. You know, part of the Junior Hurricane organization, so. You know, three nights a week, pretty much every weekend, I'm driving all over the country. You know, the the coach, uh, ten year olds. You know, so. So how's that going? How are how are how are the kids' performance and how are the parents? What's that like dealing with that every day? Oh, I mean, the the kid the kids, you know, playing hockey down in the south isn't like playing hockey up north. You know, so the kids, you know, they they love the game, um, but you know, you know how growing up your father, your grandfather always like, Oh, back when I had it, like, you know, it was so much tougher. You guys are so soft. Yep. Like coaching these 10 year old kids. Like I got to agree, like generation, I feel like the older generation feels like they've had it so much tougher. These kids have it so easy. These parents do everything for them. I mean, it's, we'll, we'll go out to, you know, dinner as a team and there's, and 15 kids are just staring on their, at their cell phones the entire time, not even looking at each other. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, you know, it's a it's a crazy environment. But, I mean, the kids are awesome. You know, it's it's definitely, you know, after a long day of work, going to the rink and just, you know, see, seeing how much fun they have. You know, you know, I don't do it for the money for sure. And, you know, I'm traveling all over the country to, to do it. So I got to be doing it for a reason. So it's, it's definitely the kids. Um, you know, the parents, for the most part, are pretty cool. You know, there are some – definite lunatics like i mean last year we had this one lady who after every single practice she would just be calling <laughs> at all hours of the night saying oh my gosh little timmy tripped someone out there i couldn't believe it he could have got hurt you know it's it's just i'm i'm, I'm a little concerned how soft these kids are going to be when they get older you know well, but yeah that's you know, a... it's my job to toughen them up a little bit i'm trying my best to toughen them up so no i hear you when they get to the real know that you know mommy and daddy aren't going to be able to you know do things for them and they have to actually work for it so um Can, you know that, that's that's what kind of youth sports is, is for is kind of learn these life lessons and uh you know they're learning they're getting better for sure but i mean sometimes i'm just shaking my head being like no way was i this soft when i was younger or, or you know if i did this my father and my brother would have absolutely taken me 
behind a barn and kicks my ass, you know? So. And that's what I was saying. Like, these parents, you hear now everyone's getting participation trophies and everyone's a winner. No one loses anymore. Is that how this is? Or at least, are you still on the cusp of these parents that want their kids to, like, to win still? Or is it as bad as well, here, here's the, here's the Well, here's the biggest problem is, like, you, they, they want the win, but they also want the participation. So one game they'll be like, you know, you got to play a power play and have the best kids out there, you know, so we win the game. Then the next game they'll be like, everyone needs equal time. So yeah, it can't be one of the usually, other. Yeah, so it's usually, you know, the best, the, the worst people on a team want the, you know, the participation. But a lot of times the worst people on a team, the worst families don't realize that they're the worst families. They're like, you know, you should really have, uh, you know, shorten the bench and have power plays. I'm like, yeah, sure, I'll do that. But you realize that, you know, little Teddy's not going to be out there in that case. So, you know, the parents, they, they kind of have blinders on where they think yeah. that their their kid's going, you know, straight to the NHL. Um, you know, so it's uh, – it's, there is some of that. But overall, you know, it's the, the parents, you know, they, they get it for the most part besides that. Yeah, it just sucks um, for you, though, because as a coach, you're in like a lose-lose situation to a certain point. Like you're never gonna make you can make half the team's parents happy, but I feel like you're never gonna be able to make the whole team's parents happy. But I'm sure you do a very good job at it, Patrick. I'm sure you teach these kids a lot of the skills that you have, you know. Yeah, you know, a little little uh dangle and at the neutral zone, a little toe talk, you know, a little, <laughs> you know, top cheddar goal, you know, make sure you uh you you skate across the uh, center ice or across their bench and you know, wink at their girlfriend in the stand, mm-hmm. you know, a little bit of that. A little spezza to Corvo to Modina. Top dog. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Like I used to always say, you know, you guys just got to be the, the schoolyard bully, you know, beat these kids up and after the game steal their girlfriends. <laughs> I'm sure that goes everywhere. Now, now I got a, uh, a girl on the team, so, you know. What? I, I had to catch myself from saying that one time, you know, you guys got to steal your steal their – I was like, oh, geez, I can't say that So, anymore, so what does she so. do? Go in, her, go in the locker room by herself and then you all meet in the common area? Well, Bob, you know, they're only 10 years old, so it's still kind of like a unisex situation, you know. So, you know, she uh, she gets ready for the most part at home, and then she comes to the games after that or gets gets ready afterwards. Oh, well, this fucking world we live in. 10-year-old Bob's heart is racing right now. We know <laughs> Bob was a sicko back then. All right, Keith. All right, Keith. Calm down. <laughs> hey, you should let the you should ask the parents if they'll let you lace them up and put pads on and just lay the kids out. Yeah, dude, that's what they need nowadays. Patrick, do that. Dude, isn't that like, isn't that like a dream to just like, isn't there like video <laughs> lay out some ten year old kids? Just shot us some little kids. <laughs> like, no, you, you remember that old like video of like the college football mascot pointing us like the little like pee wee football kids I did see just that. Stiff, arm, stiff arm in them all. Yeah, that was awesome. I saw it like the other day actually for some reason. I was like, Maybe YouTube. Next practice, I'll show. I'll show up with a waiver. Be like, hey, parents, sign this waiver. Be like, what's it for? Be like, just sign a waiver. The league making me do it. <laughs> and then I just go out there full gear and just, you know. Now you're all in big, guys. big trouble. <laughs> Dude, that would be so <laughs> funny. Yeah. I signed a waiver. Sorry. Yeah. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the, uh, welcome to the dungeon zone. Well, no, <laughs> hey, you guess what. To- Coach Pat's tip the showers too, so you're all gonna grow up feeling like not real men. <laughs> but dude, I had that same issue when I did that whole AAU program in Allington. There was a, every night I get called. Every parent wanted their kid to pitch, 
Every parent wanted their kid oh. to play first base. Every kid wanted their kid to play shortstop. And so it got to the point where I was, I would get so frustrated, and I just put him there. I think we had one kid walk like 18 people in a row, and he wasn't even reaching home plate. Oh. And I would just look at his parent and be like, "Hey, this is what you wanted. This is what he, this is what's happening." You know? Yeah, you gotta have some self awareness. Like once in little league, I pitched first. You know, every I did maybe five warm up pitches. <laughs> Not one of them hit the strike zone. Yeah. First, first kid up. You know, here I am thinking I'm like Jonathan Papelbon with like my wind up and like, you know, just staring at him, trying to intimidate him. <laughs> you know, I, I clock him in the back of the head, you know, then that's when I know like, okay, I, I don't have the accuracy to be a pitcher. So I went back to, you know, a little place they called shortstop and I went back to shortstop. But I, hey, I could be a shortstop, not a pitcher though, yeah. self-aware. I just hope when I just hope when I have kids, I am like that. I hope I don't think. Well, first of all, I hope I have a girl that's like eight feet tall, full scholarship every to any college she wants for sports. But I just don't. I just hope I'm not like that because there's so many of them, and I hope it's not just a switch that happens when you have a kid. It's scary. Yeah, but here's the thing about coaching that you realize: like I'm the same thing. It's like, oh, I have a boy. Like I want him to be like unbelievable and go straight, go D one and nasty. But then, like you watch how much fun these kids have, and you realize, you know, it's. You know, they they they're they're to hang out with their friends. Like they don't care if they win or lose. You know, they yeah. just want have, they just want to have fun. You know. Let me backtrack here just a little bit and tell a little bit of story uh, about young Patrick Kimball and and you know how his practices went. Oh yeah, if, I mean, if, if Pat, you know, he'd be out there grinding, bag skating, puking on the ice at seven years old, and during the games, if he didn't score a goal. And I wasn't playing hockey. I was just drinking uh, hot chocolates at Loring. But if he didn't score a goal, I would see him and his dad walk out to the car. And, you know, I'm like, oh, what are they doing? And his dad opened the, the back of their SUV you know, and popped it. The, the door lifts up. And I see a dog crate back there. And he made <laughs> Pat get in the dog crate, shut the dog crate, and shut the door. And it happened like five times. I noticed that each time Pat didn't get an assist or a goal. So can you tell us about that? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I was in the back, back, back of the car. You know, he'd have all the windows down, so when you're driving down the road, all the cold air goes straight to the back. You know, and I'd be, I'd be stuck in a little, you know, a crate the size of a poodle. You know, poodle fitting in. I'd be squeezed <laughs> in there. I... Know, we're we're going down some back country roads in, in in a country part of Framingham, and that, that's pretty bumpy back there. And I'm, you know, hitting my head, but you know what? I learned my lesson. You know, fucking score a goal next game, Patrick. Hey, I can't see you Kevin Senior being happy if you're not performing well. Uh, yeah, you know what? Here's the thing: is like he he knew how to set examples, and he he disciplined me, and he made sure I was not a pussy. And you know, thank you for that. Hey, no, I hear yeah. you. I feel like your dad's a very first first impression type person. Just the reason why the friendship him and I have is due to the joke I told him the first time. That yeah, we met. Here's a little here's a little story of, of Kevin Senior. You know, he's a very competitive golfer. That's all he pretty much does with his life is golf now. So him and my uh, him and my uncle, who's like a he's like seventy five, but he still shoots like even he's part. A scratch like he's, golfer. <laughs> he's a freak. Um, me and him, uh, Bob and my uncle were playing two two little 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 five dollar Nassau, so big money. And it was uh, me and Bob versus my dad and my uncle. Like, we had no business even coming close to competing against them. <laughs> but somehow, going into the 18th hole, we were we were tied. And for 18 holes, Bob had one of those 
fake golf balls that explodes. Filled with just uh, when, when, when you hit yeah, it. Yeah, it was filled. It's filled with like uh, baking soda or something. Yeah, I mean this does this does not look like a real golf ball. It's like a <laughs> like a ping pong ball. So if, if if you picked it up, you would realize this is not a a real golf ball. But the whole round, we're trying to figure out a way to give the ball to my dad so he tees it up and and explodes. So it's getting towards the end of the round, and uh, the se- on the seventeenth hole, like I said, it was a tied match. So you know the juices are flowing. Everyone was pretty competitive. My father had a uh, like a six foot putt for par to push the hole. You know I already got my par. You know Bob picked up his ball after his uh, third tee shot into the woods, so I got my par. So before my father could get to his ball because he hit it onto the green, I walked up to it. And I said, hey, your putt's good. He's like, you fucking kidding me? You gave me a six-footer on 17? All right. <laughs> so I put, the, I, I put his real ball in my pocket, gave him the fake ball. So he's all pumped up. You know, he prances over to the 18th hole. I'm like, holy shit, Bob. He has no idea. It's a, he had no it's idea. A ball. I'm like, get your phone out. Start recording. So he tees it up. 18th hole. $5 Nassau, big money, all tied up. Tees it up. He hits it. Powder all over the place. The thing explodes all over the place. <laughs> he, without even missing a second, he goes, <laughs> turns around and starts chasing me with his golf driver over his head. Yeah, the driver immediately became an axe as soon as he turned around. That was in the axe <laughs> position, ready to attack. My uncle, my seventy-five-year-old uncle, is literally dying laughing. My father, after like probably fifteen steps of chasing me with his driver over his head, realizes it was kind of a joke and starts laughing. <laughs> that was, was awesome. funny thing. Like here's like a prank. And he's, he's ready to literally kill me because I gave him an exploding golf ball. Yeah, because that's how he is, though. When he's in that golf course, he is not fooling around whatsoever. So the yeah. fact that we ruined his concentration really pissed him off. Yeah. So then he had to tee it back up with his real ball. And, you know, I don't know how that match ended up. but Oh, that was hilarious. I think that video will go down. We'll put that video uh, on, on the Instagram for, for your listeners. Mm-hmm, that, exactly. Yeah, that video gets shown. I've shown that video to so many people just because <laughs> – his immediate reaction is to start chasing Patrick. And I thought he was chasing me too, so the camera just immediately goes down. It was just a very – it was fucking hilarious is what it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So out of the two of you guys, who is the better golfer then? Because I heard <laughs> a lot of the golf stories. So I, don't, I, I think it's up in the air right now. You know, Keith, well, you, know, you know, Patrick, I'll take this one. You know, every once in a while you have to man up. And I'll say that I look for Patrick for guidance on the golf course. So Patrick is, Patrick is a lefty, so we differ there as I'm a righty, but – when it comes to being on someone's team, if I'm on Patrick's team and he makes me play better, I'll leave it at that. Yeah. If Bob has a habit of uh, being on his phone the entire round. Oh, Jesus. So I say, Bob, we're on the golf course. Take this Red Bull vodka. Put your phone down. We're having fun, you know. So once he puts the phone away, you know, he uh, he's good for winning a hole every now and then. You know, when, when he, he steps up, you know, he gets – when he's hitting it, he's hitting it, you know. So he's he's a he's a good partner to have, you know. Oh, well, thank you, Patrick. Thank you. I appreciate that. Well, What's he doing on the phone? Is it like tennis matches, or is he texting Becca? <laughs> well, you know, it depends on when it was in 
you know, that point of Bob's life, you know? All right. All right. Thank you, <laughs> You know, one point of his life, it, it was certainly different than, you know, right now what he does, you know? Right now, you know, he probably goes on, uh, you know, foxnews.com to see what's going on. <laughs> Whereas back in the day, you know, he was he was searching for other things. Just finding out who's going to be at the dollhouse that night? <laughs> yeah, yeah, something like that. Hey, I think we, we got to put up. You know, if, 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 if we'll have a... Uh, a special edition store uh, episode of some of those stories one of these days. Yes, yeah, maybe someday. One, maybe someday. One thing we got to include on Instagram with the picture of your dad is a picture of Bobby at a place called Wet Willies, <laughs> guzzling a yeah. Bob Marley out of like forty-five straws. Oh yeah. My yeah. my favorite time of that night was when Greg had like two of them and was so drunk he had to take his own taxi back home and go to bed at like eight o'clock. Oh, the thing is like, you go to Wet Willies, you you order call a cab like. It's, there, there's probably 15 different drinks you could order. You just you know what to get. You get the wet will. You get the call a cab. So we got you know 10 guys in there. And we're like, all right, 10 call a cabs. Bob walks up there. He's like, um, you know, um, I think I'll have a uh, Bob Marley. We're like, what the <laughs> fuck? Is Bob ordering. The guy's like, uh, Bob Marley, okay. And five minutes later, the guy comes up with like a tie dye drink. And Bob, we're like, what the hell are you drink? He's like, the Bob Marley, man. I, lo- I love getting these things. They're awesome. You know, There's like the old, the old suicides you get at the uh, slush puppy machine where you just run down the, the row and just dump a little bit of all of them in there. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Those are the good old days. But no, but Patrick, I want to just uh, you know, appreciate you. You're talking about our relationships, talking about what we've all been through. I just want to thank you for being on the show. Thank you for all the input you had. Is there anything else you would like to say as this episode starts to close down a bit? No, I mean, obviously, you know, episode three, you know, you guys got a long, long way to go. Um, <laughs> but, you know, the key is each step to be uh, making progress. And hopefully you, you guys get better guests than uh, than having to, you know, get me on there. Because you guys are kind of uh, scraping the uh, bottom of the barrel right now with me. No, no, no. We needed you on here. I think you brought some life and we appreciate you taking the time to come on. Yeah, I think uh, this is a third host opportunity. Mm-hmm. Oh, we'll see what your listeners have to say about that. Yeah, we'll, we'll let you know the feedback when we have it. But, um, All right. Keith, you got anything else? No, I think that's it, you know. Um, Bob, I'm sorry to hear you got the Wuhan fever, but I know you'll heal up from that. And I think everything else has been pretty good. You haven't been going to work, have you? Yeah, me? Yeah, we've been going to work. And everyone, yeah. everyone's sitting on the train with those goddamn face masks on. I just got Bob's wedding invitation and his wedding photo and his uh, wedding invitation photo. He's wearing a Wuhan mask. Like, what the fuck is this? Oh, thank you, Patrick. Thank you. Um, little Mortal Kombat fighter. <laughs> oh well, if you guys go on the Normal Guy Podcast Instagram, I put up the video of Patrick's father ready to attack all of us as the ball explodes. <laughs> it's actually pretty good. But uh. All right. I want to thank Patrick. Thank you very much for taking time to come on here. Keith, as usual, until next time. And that, I think, is a wrap on episode three. Thanks, boys. See ya. Bye. Can you
I'll only live for you, it's all that I am, it's all that I have. 